0: Hey everyone, it's Erica Henry, Network Pastor of Holy Districts, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. have the great privilege of starting us off in a new network podcast series that we're doing that we're calling What is the Church? Now you may not know this, but part of the ethos of the Holy District Network in each of our communities is that we really desire that our teaching that we provide through the podcast is responsive. And what we mean by responsive is that we really believe that Jesus is at work through the Holy Spirit in each and every person who has been drawn into our community and that that each person has a sense about what God is up to currently in their lives. And rather than trying to use our teaching to guide people toward what we think they should know or do, we want to listen really well uh, to our communities and to one another and then listen really well to the Holy Spirit and look to the example of Jesus to then respond to ourselves and to our community with jesus-centered teaching and content that meets us where we already are in response to the questions and concerns and ideas that we're already thinking about and ready to move on and so for this episode i get to kick off a new series that's doing exactly that we're going to be exploring across the entire holy district network we're going to be exploring what is the church And we're gonna start out by sharing some of the feedback and the questions that have been bubbling up in our communities across the country. And then we'll meditate on a good chunk of scripture together today. My hope is that this will set us up for a really engaging and fruitful conversation over the next period of weeks, as we explore the concept of church from a Jesus-centered perspective. Okay, so if you're listening to the podcast right now, it's possible that you are a part of a physical Holy District community in your neighborhood, and you're listening because this is one way that you engage with the way that God is at work in the Holy District. But it's also possible that you are listening from somewhere where there are no physical Holy District communities, and your experience of Holy District is actually participating in this podcast community, which is beautiful. But if that's you, there's a, there's an element of being a part of the Holy District that you maybe haven't experienced in the same way that the folks who participate in our regular gatherings in Pennsylvania and Arizona have. And here's the feedback that the neighborhood and community pastors within the network have been sharing with one another and with me lately. It goes kind of like this. I really enjoy being a part of Holy District community and what we do. And now just a little aside uh, for you, listener, the Holy District uh, looks different depending on the community where it's being planted and nurtured. And so that could mean a lot of different things. All right, back to the feedback. Uh, I, lo- I love being a part of this and I love doing this, but I find it really difficult to explain to people what exactly it is that we're doing. When it comes to talking to people who are already familiar with a certain concept of church, thinking Western, American, Protestant, evangelical church, what we do at the Holy District doesn't really seem like it counts. And then when I'm talking to people who aren't a part of the church, and I want to invite them to something that might have some spiritual under or overtones, I don't want it to be like a bait and switch situation. It goes kind of a layer deeper than that, uh, feedback, which is, you know, really, really valid for people who have been participating in our worship communities and our community gatherings that are in relationship with people who go to a traditional church. We kind of get this question, whether it's from people who are experimenting with participation in Holy District or on the outside looking in. And really what it comes down to, the question is, does this really count? Is that really church? As you may know, whenever we come together as Holy District worshiping communities, we do not have a sermon at the center of our worship gatherings. Each community is a little different, but we typically will read scripture together, have conversation about it, uh, serve one another communion talk about how we are being commissioned by Jesus through the power of the Holy spirit, which is just a way of saying, this is how uh, I see Jesus sending me out into my neighborhood and into my life and the people with whom I am being sent. Those are some of the main components of what a worship gathering might be. And a typical Holy district community right now, we do not have musical worship. Um, in, in the sense that many churches do, we don't have a sermon, we won't have a sermon, we don't have a program. Um, it Yeah, it, it's very different. And at the end of the day, our goal isn't to send people out from our community to try to get them to bring people back to the places where we happen to be meeting necessarily. Our goal is to grow in our spiritual maturity as members of our worshiping communities and to take that growth and the love of God that we're growing into right back out into our day-to-day lives so that we can be loving and serving uh, the people in our lives and in our neighborhood, and and that we would be becoming good news people that are creating spaces of belonging and care and nurture where people can, uh, can be awakened to the beauty of Christ and be compelled into the kingdom of God. And, and once again, that looks a lot of different ways. But it's really reasonable that people are weirded out when we say we are a Jesus-centered community. We don't invite people to church. We don't have sermons. We, You know, there's so many things about what we do and don't do that are just very disorienting. And I think at the end of the day, there's this really good question, really valid question, especially for those of us who grew up in church, where we're just kind of wondering, does this count Is being a part of a Holy District community like this, is it enough? Like, is this a legitimate way to be or do church? It's a really good question. And so as the community pastors were meeting and chatting about this, we have kind of along the way, try to give language and support to uh, the folks in our community who are wrestling with this. But we thought, wow, maybe this is a good time to do some Jesus-centered teaching. And so we got to work and we've got a plan. But to kick us off, I wanted to take some time meditating on Ephesians chapter one and two because as we imagined what we might talk about, what we might explore together as we're considering what the church is, a lot of possibilities came to the surface. If you've spent very much time in the New Testament, the letters in the New Testament were letters written by the apostles to the church in various parts of the world as the mission of the kingdom of God was spreading throughout the known world at the time. And so basically all of the letters in the New Testament are about, are to the church and in that way about the church as the apostles are inspired by the Spirit to help shape the people of God into a particular kind of people. And so there are a lot of things that we can talk about. And I, to tell the truth, I don't know exactly where the series is going to go from here because I'm so excited to say that different people across our different communities are going to be contributing but just with the rough outline that our team has worked on especially Pastor Ellen thank you Ellen we we definitely are anticipating talking about the church as a body the church as a gathering, the church as a temple, the church as a sent group of people, the church as being a dynamic, multi-ethnic group of people. And that's just the very beginning. We're hoping to contemplate questions like, what is the church? How is it described in the Bible? What are the metaphors? And why are those the metaphors used? What happens in church, with church, who belongs to church? Why do we even do it? And so as you can imagine, we've got a lot of opportunity here to really explore a very interesting topic that maybe a lot of us have just assumed that we already knew what church was. And to get us started, I just want to create in this episode some fertile ground as we meditate on Ephesians 1 and 2 which is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, a a smattering of probably small house churches that he wrote while he was imprisoned. And uh, it's going to, I think give us um, already some of those metaphors and some of those ideas from a very Trinitarian Jesus soaked perspective to start thinking about what, what is the church And what does it mean to be a part of a church? And is being a part of something as weird as a holy district a legitimate way of engaging in this thing that we call church in the 21st century? I hope this feels as interesting to you as it does to me. I'm kind of stoked on this right now. And I also hope that you will engage with our team as we move through this series. So even now, if you have a particular question or idea that you w- that you hope that we will explore, please, you know, go to our social media, rediscover sacred um, on Instagram or Facebook, or jump on our website, holydistrict.org, and find our contact form at the bottom. And just send in your thoughts or your questions or your feedback. So we'll be paying attention and we'll be keeping up with those as we work on these episodes every week. We would love for you to be just as much a part of this as anyone um, in the process. So without further ado, I invite you to grab your Bible and your note-taking, whatever. And we're just going to camp out in Ephesians 1 and 2 for the rest of this episode. Here we go. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, updated edition, and I'm going to start in chapter 1, where Paul opens up his letter with a salutation and then a beautiful Jewish poem, followed by a prayer. Now, on the face of it, it may not seem that this letter is about the church. But here are a couple things that I want to encourage you to have in your mind as you're listening to this aloud today. Number one, Paul definitely would have composed this letter with his other missionary companions with the intent that people would hear it in a very similar way that you're listening to it right now. And he was writing this letter to a network of churches in Ephesus, so this was going to be passed around from... Uh, gathering to gathering and he is sees himself as a sent one of Jesus Christ to whom a mystery has been revealed that now he has a profound mission to illuminate and pass on to all of the Jesus followers who are growing like a little mustard seed throughout the Roman Empire as he is communicating about the person of Jesus for Paul who Jesus is and what Jesus has done is inseparable from the work that God is doing and wants to do through the saints or the people of God or whatever word or phrase you want to use to talk about this group of Jesus followers who are now trying to live as Jesus is Lord not Caesar but Jesus is Lord and so He Paul is painting this really beautiful picture of what it means to have spiritual blessings in Christ as the people of God who are following Jesus, the the resurrected and ascended Lord of the cosmos. What significance might that have for us today? I mean, you know, we're pretty far removed in time from the culture and the context that Paul and his missionary companions would have been composing this letter in, and yet God sought fit that we would have these scriptures to meditate on and contemplate in order to grow in wisdom and in spiritual maturity in our followership of Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you to think about who are you in the midst of this passage. I would also want to flag that anytime the word you is said the chances are pretty 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 high in this portion of ephesians that the you is actually plural and is more of a y'all or a you all or a ins." although i really do not ever say that word but some people do and if you do i still love you So whichever in your context makes the most sense, if you hear me read the word, you uh, replace that in your mind with you all. And how does that affect the way that we might think about what it means to be the church? Just a heads up. I'm not going to answer any of these questions. What we're going to do now, I'm going to read through Ephesians 1 through Ephesians 2 verse 22. I'm gonna read that in the NRSV and then I'm gonna read it in the message just to give us a little bit more updated paraphrase on that. Let's do it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, doing the will of the flesh and senses. And we were by nature children of wrath like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at one time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both into one and has broken down the dividing wall, that is, the hostility between us, abolishing the law within its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who are near. For through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, But you are fellow citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Okay, that was a lot. And this was written to be actually heard and processed in one letter unit. So we're we're only taking a, the first chunk of this letter and trying to consider it together. Before I read the message paraphrase of this, I do want to ask you to just take a moment, whether you need to pause or go back and listen to it again, and just start jotting down your response to these couple prompts the first prompt is after listening to this passage what do you think you might know about the church what might the church be how might it function what might its purpose be based on these this one and a half chapter chapters of ephesians While you're at it, I would encourage you to start noting or underlining or circling in your Bible every metaphor that you see that's being used to describe the church or the people that Paul is writing this letter to, the group of people who are following Jesus. How many can you find? And what do you know about each of these metaphors, what they might represent. My last question for you to consider and maybe jot down somewhere is about your questions. What are you curious about right now? Having listened to this passage and explored it a little bit more, What questions are coming to your mind? What would you like to know about anything that has come up as we've been considering this passage together? I'd invite you to pause the podcast right now if you need more time and just take as much time as you need hanging out here in this passage. And when you're ready, you can push play and we will read Ephesians 1 and 2 or 1 and (laughs) 2.5. together in the message paraphrase I Paul am under God's plan as an apostle a special agent of Christ Jesus writing to you faithful believers in Ephesus I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives by God our father and our master Jesus Christ How blessed is God and what a blessing he is He's the father of our master Jesus Christ and takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Long before He laid down earth's foundations, He had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of His love, to be made whole and holy by His love. Long long ago He decided to adopt us into His family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure He took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of His lavish gift-giving by the hand of His beloved Son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, His blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans He took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This down payment from God is the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in Master Jesus, in your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thinking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing Him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what it is He is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life He has for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body, in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in the old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat, It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy, and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now, God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next, to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving us is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. But don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's way had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about the way God works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. Now, because of Christ, dying that death shedding that blood, you who are once out of it altogether are in on everything. The Messiah has made things up between us so that now we're together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall. We used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped, and he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people, separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit, And have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here, with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God, all of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. So there you have it. An invitation into the passages I've been contemplating and meditating over these past few weeks as I prepare to learn with you and from others in the Holy District about what the church is. I pray that your spirit and your heart is opened to a more beautiful definition and vision of what it means to be the church. And that this short time of meditating together on Ephesians 1 and 2 has just broken open your heart and imagination to receive such beauty and goodness from the Spirit over the next several weeks. So I, with you, look forward to hearing more from the other pastors and folks in the Holy District. I hope that you'll join us for each episode of the series and that you will contribute your ideas and your questions and your feedback along the way. Like always, you can find us at our website, holydistrict.org. You can reach out to us on our social media at Rediscover Sacred, that's on Instagram and Facebook. There's a lot of really fun things that are developing in the Holy District. And so we hope that you will keep in touch and that you will let us know how your life's purpose is intersecting with the grassroots, Jesus-centered community building that God is up to through the members of the Holy District community across Pennsylvania and Arizona. We'll talk to you next time.